Hello and welcome into the show all about the South. We're the Y'all Show. John Rawl is my name, and it is wonderful to have you aboard as we're going to spend the next couple of hours together catching up on all the news headlines across the Southeast on this chilly Tuesday for much of you. Although it could be worse, we're not talking about winter weather anywhere right now. Still people in the Northeast today digging out of the storm that passed through Florida, the Carolinas, Georgia on Sunday into Monday. And I think I saw 50,000 people without power in New England here today. Just a unbelievable out of nowhere thing that popped up. But we don't have that to talk about here in the South. Thank goodness. Just having to endure some cold mornings. And that's quite all right. Here on today's Y'all Show, we're going to have to endure the onslaught of political news. We got a bunch of stuff from the political news to talk about. And you know what? It's a good thing that here at the Y'all Show, we devote on Tuesdays plenty of time for that. We've got a Southern political report coming your way. But we also have stories from other elements of politics, including state politics. And our lead story today comes out of the Lone Star State, where Greg Abbott has now signed some legislation to try to stop illegal immigration happening in his state. We've got that story that we'll be passing on. Also in our headlines across the Southeast, Vice President Kamala Harris is going to be on a nationwide tour to promote abortion. We'll tell you about that in our headlines today. A disturbing story from Columbia, South Carolina. A second drill sergeant at the Army's Fort Jackson has been found dead on post there. And it's the second time a drill sergeant at Fort Jackson has been found dead within the last eight days. So what's going on at the United States Army's main training facility, Fort Jackson, in Columbia, South Carolina? We've got the info out of the Palmetto State The funeral for Sandra Day O'Connor is going to be held today. We've got all that. A Confederate memorial that started being taken down Monday got halted by a judge, a judge stopping the removal of the Confederate memorial from Arlington National Cemetery, at least for now. The memorial will be staying. We'll find out how that happened, and we'll see the future of that memorial somewhere, hopefully on public display. Eric Montrose, member of the North Carolina Tar Heels basketball team that won a national championship in the early 90s. He's died at the age of 52. We have info on that. Plus, there's been a spinach recall in several southern states. We'll give you the story on that. And a great honor for a guy who has been part of Memphis media for a long time, Jarvis Greer of Channel 5 in Memphis being honored. We'll tell you about that story out of the Bluff City. And also in our headlines today, Stifler is in Alabama. The American Pie actor is filming an action movie, and I've got the story in our headlines across the southeast today. That's just some of the fun that we've got here coming up in our headlines across the southeast. Elsewhere on this show for this Tuesday, in our opening hour, we got that special spotlight on southern politics, and we've got something to say here about the presidential race, and I'm going to let Al Franken talk about it. Did you realize that the former U.S. senator from the state of Minnesota and the comedian of Saturday Night Live fame, Al Franken, is out talking about a bet that he made with his old senator buddy, Lindsey Graham, and it was a $20 bet on whether President Trump or President Biden would win the 2024 election. And we will have that audio coming to you. 
in our political report, plus an information to pass on in terms of the wild thing that happened Sunday for President Biden where his motorcade got struck by a car. We've got an update from Wilmington, Delaware on that and a story about student loan payments. People are not paying up when it's time to pay the piper. We've got a a little bit of information that is in our Southern Political Report, plus some poll numbers coming in from Georgia and other states, all packaged in today's politics news. Hour two today, we've got our Southern Book Report. We've got the big-time top sellers on the New York Times bestseller list for fiction and nonfiction. But also, in honor of Christmas being just a couple of days away, we've got the 30 best books to gift for Christmas 2023 and this comes to us from, I, I don't know where it comes from, but on that, I, I know it comes from a reliable source, okay? But on that list, you've got Queen of Our Times is a book that they say you might want to look. And then a book about the K-pop group BTS. Oh, hit me, hit me one more time. Okay, that comes to us from panmcmillan.com is the website that's come up with this list of the 30 best books to gift. For Christmas 2023. Thank you for sharing that with me. The address for that. The website address for the great story about books. That's in our second hour. Plus we've got some entertainment headlines. A Hollywood star that spent time in his youth growing up in the state of Texas. Jonathan Majors has been found guilty of sexual assault. And we've got that story coming out of the state of Texas or Actually, it's not out of Texas. He's just a guy who ended up being a Texan as a youth. But Major's now in a lot of trouble and a lot of cancellations for this actor who, again, has been found guilty in a court. So we'll share with you that, plus other entertainment headlines. Demi Lovato and her man are engaged. We'll tell you more about Demi and her connection to Texas. Plus, the Christmas songs... You love to hate the most. (laughs) There's an article about that. We've got all that coming up in our entertainment stories of hour two. Hour three today, the Takapola Storyteller is going to be joining us. That's Jerry Short, and we're going to discuss both Christmas and this will be our final visit with Takapola Storyteller Jerry Short in 2023. So we'll get some reflections on 2023 and the beginning of a new year, what that means for Mr. Storyteller himself. That's in hour three. All that plus in hour three, we've got a little food discussion as we've got 23 Christmas coffee drinks to keep warm in winter. And that comes to us from the website insanelygoodrecipes.com. So we'll talk a little coffee in our final hour of the Y'all Show. To reach us here on the program about the South, you can always text us. Our text line open, 615-208-4184. And you can also email us at your leisure. And the Y'all Show email address is mail at y'all.com. Let's kick off the news headlines across the Southeast here for this Tuesday. And Texas in the news, Greg Abbott. The governor signed a bill Monday that lets police arrest migrants who enter the U.S. illegally. So you know immediately this thing's going to get challenged by the federal government and most likely on a fast track to the U.S. Supreme Court. But in this new law that he signed, it gives sweeping powers for 
local police to arrest migrants who illegally cross the U.S. border, and it gives local judges authority to order them to leave the country. Opponents have called the measure the most dramatic attempt by a state to police immigration. And this also brings up to mind the 2010 Arizona law that denounced critics as the show-me-your-papers bill that was mostly struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court. Immigration enforcement is a federal responsibility, and Texas's law is also likely to face a lot of legal challenges. But they keep pushing over and over in Texas. We've got to do something to stop illegal immigration. And the federal government's not doing its part, so Greg Abbott and the Republicans in Texas coming out with this new law that they are now trying to push that, okay, federal government, if you're not going to help us out, then we'll just do it ourselves. I heard today on one of the networks, one of the three-letter networks, a discussion about this law, and they compared it to what happened in California some 15 years ago. And they were having some measures proposed in California by the Republicans at that time, which still had some power. Remember, you had a governor in Arnold Schwarzenegger that was a Republican that kind of led that state for a while, and California hadn't quite turned completely blue some 15 years ago. And there was real talk and some measures proposed by the Republicans to control illegal immigration. And you know what? That thing failed, and also failing when that happened was the Republican Party in the state of California. The Republican Party completely went away from a power standpoint. And there's no signs that Republicans in California will ever come back to life in a leadership way in the Golden State. And now the fear is if Texas, which is kind of the spear in this fight against illegal immigration, if Texas right now, yes, they might can push things like this, but is it going to fire up the Democrats? Is it going to fire up the people of a background that came across the border illegally to go out and vote forever from this point on and make Republicans in Texas an endangered species? That's something to think about. That is something to certainly think about. But right now, from a Republican standpoint in the Lone Star State, they have a very, very heavy grip on leadership. And that's why Greg Abbott feels empowered to go out here and, again, be the tip of the spear and do measures like what he did Monday, sign state laws that will basically kick you out of the country, kick you out of Texas. They might find that a compromise might be you can't send them back across the Rio Grande, but you can kick them out to Texas, from Texas over to Louisiana or another state that borders Texas. So, therefore, the illegal immigrants can still stay in the United States, just not in Texas. Uh, Nothing surprises me, but a real fear if you're looking at keeping Texas red that you could have the same knee-jerk reaction that Californians had with the Republican Party of that state. We'll keep our eye and see if indeed that happens. Other political stories here in our major headlines of the day. Vice President Kamala Harris has announced a nationwide tour that she's going to go on, and it's focused on abortion as she's kind of helping promote this 
before 2024 arrives as she's going to get out and rally Democrats to support Joe Biden in a second term, but it's mostly to promote the 51st anniversary of Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court case that actually legalized abortion nationwide. That was before the Dobbs versus the Jackson Women's Health Organization overturned Roe versus Wade in 2022. Vice President Harris with a statement that says, I will continue to fight for our fundamental freedoms while bringing together those throughout America who agree that every woman should have the right to make decisions about her own body, not the government. And she's going to start off her promotion of abortion tour in Wisconsin, a battleground state where access to abortion has seesawed since the Supreme Court decision. And she's going to be going to other locations. I don't have the tour in front of me at the current time, but somehow I think she's going to be coming south because she's helping out by going to at least, I think, 16 states in her effort to promote abortion and having lots of events. So she is taking that abortion fight front and center across the country, and that may be the ticket to victory in 2024, is pushing how Republicans, including Donald Trump, fought hard to get rid of the Roe v. Wade decision. And now with the Dobbs decision, it goes to the states, and that's causing women, as Kamala Harris was saying, or should I say Kamala Harris, uh, Gavin Newsom, my apologies, my apologies, sir, because he corrected Ron DeSantis in that recent debate about, it's not Kamala, it's Kamala So Kamala Harris uh, is evidently going to be Joe Biden's abortion czar and and pushing that fight. And it just might be enough to get him across the finish line because we know from recent elections that the uh, Republicans have suffered because of the Dobbs decision, a decision that stemmed from the state of Mississippi, by the way, when it was first presented and went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. We've got more news headlines we're going to jump to when we come back from the break. I'm going to tell you a story out of South Carolina where a second drill sergeant for the United States Army has been found dead on the Fort Jackson Post there outside of Columbia, South Carolina. Some strange goings on on Fort Jackson. So that's coming up. Also, the funeral of Sandra Day O'Connor set for today. I'll give you the details as we know it. All that right here on The Y'all Show. Don't forget, mail at y'all.com is how you can get in touch with us. And we got so much more to get to before we get over to hour two today. We got politics in a big way that we'll still be jumping into in a few. But right now, take a break and come back with more news headlines on Y'all.
Just like you were here You'd think I was insane I hold these conversations In the silence of my room Rehearsing all the things I'd say Should I run into Uh, nothing says Merry Christmas like Earl Thomas Conley music. We're back here on the Y'all Show. Earl, oh gosh, I loved his music. Sadly, he was born in Portsmouth, Ohio. You know, why couldn't he be born just across the river over there in Kentucky? But uh, that's quite all right. What a great career Earl Thomas Conley had in country music. He died at the age of 77 back in 2019. What a What a voice. Earl Thomas Conley was a U.S. Army veteran prior to going into the music business. And we've got some Army news, some disturbing U.S. Army news to pass along as part of our news headlines as we continue on here on this Tuesday Y'all Show with John Rawl serving as your host. A second drill sergeant has been found dead in Fort Jackson, and that's at Columbia, South Carolina. is where Fort Jackson is located. It is actually... I'm pretty sure I'm accurate on this, so all you Army vets, don't jump on me here. Don't don't yell at me like a drill sergeant. But I'm pretty sure Fort Jackson is the dedicated post in the U.S. Army for basic training. I know you can go through, or at least in the past, basic training at other forts in the country, but Fort Jackson is kind of like ground zero for training for the United States Army. And a story out of Fort Jackson in South Carolina today a second drill sergeant has now been found dead at Fort Jackson, and this second drill sergeant's death comes just a week over, just over a week where another drill sergeant was found dead. Thirty-year-old Staff Sergeant Jackery, uh, Zachary L. Melton found unresponsive Saturday inside his vehicle on the base. A drill sergeant with the First Battalion, three hundred thirty-fourth Infantry Regiment. He was located by unit personnel after he failed to report for work, and he died, according to Fort Jackson's commander, Brigadier General Jason Kelly. So he passed away, the 30-year-old Sergeant Zachary Melton, no cause of death immediately provided. Now, just eight days ago, another drill sergeant passed away, Staff Sergeant Alan Bertram, found dead on base after he failed to report to work as well. I do know that Zachary Melton was a native of Huntsville, Alabama, the one that just got found over the weekend, and he had received numerous awards and decorations, including the Army Commendation Medal. And again, just eight days ago, a 34-year-old Army Staff Sergeant Alan Bertram found dead on base as well. So our thoughts with the U.S. Army community, especially there at Fort Jackson, just outside of Columbia, South Carolina, with the passage of 
to not just soldiers, drill sergeants, guys that, you know, are in shape and are supposed to be correctly trained from a mental standpoint. These gentlemen most likely have served somewhere in a war zone, most likely Afghanistan at least, and they are brought into the Army to be teachers to push these soldiers to become the vanguards of democracy for the United States. And unfortunately, two have passed away in just eight days at Fort Jackson in South Carolina. The funeral for Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman on the U.S. Supreme Court. That funeral is set today. President Joe Biden, as well as Chief, as well as Chief Justice John Roberts, will be among the speakers at the funeral held at the Washington National Cathedral. Sandra Day O'Connor retired from the U.S. Supreme Court back in 2006 after she spent more than two decades on the bench. She died on December 1st at the age of eight, uh, of 93. She was a native of Arizona, nominated in 1981 by the new president, Ronald Reagan, at that time. And again, she served two decades on the U.S. Supreme Court and the funeral set in Washington, D.C. today for the first woman U.S. Supreme Court justice. Just across the river from Washington is Arlington National Cemetery. And an update to a story we told you about on Monday's Y'all Show, the Confederate Memorial in Arlington National Cemetery was supposed to be taken down. In fact, workers were already working to take it down Monday when a judge's order... The judge ordered to stop that work. And Arlington National Cemetery, which had already said it would remove the statue, is now putting it on hold as the federal judge stopping it, ordering the halting to take place of the monument removal of the Confederate memorial there in the nation's marquee place for war heroes a cemetery spokesperson said that the army had begun begun disassembling the confederate monument but operations halted the restraining order will expire wednesday night a hearing is set for i believe today to decide whether or not the judge's order will remain in place but this is a monument put in 1914 there as a reconciliation a a healing of the North and South. And there's a movement now to get rid rid of this thing that was put there many years ago. And I'm hoping it will stay there. More than 40 U.S. House Republicans actually wrote to the Defense Secretary, Lloyd Austin, arguing that the commission overstepped its authority when it recommended that this particular monument be removed from Arlington National Cemetery. So a lot of the Liberals out there and people who have known nothing about history want monuments off of public squares. They want them removed from courthouses. They don't want especially Confederate monuments anywhere in public sight. And the the battle cry for a long time was, put it in a cemetery, put it in a museum. Well, guess what? A lot of these statues are in cemeteries already, like this one. And that's not good enough for the for the woke crowd. That they, they want these things 
literally melted down, which is what happened to the Robert E. Lee statue that was in Charlottesville, Virginia, the one that caused the 2018, I guess it was, or 17 Charlottesville protest of which that woman got killed by an idiot driving the car. And that thing's now been melted down and given to some black history type group. I mean, what an insult to take an unbelievably beautiful work of art and melt it down, destroy it. So the other side, the woke side, they're not about putting it in a more fitting place. They, they want to remove these things. They want to put them out of public sight. They want them forgotten about. And that's what is going to happen to this monument. It's going to be taken if Lloyd Austin has his way and the woke administration they're going to take this Confederate memorial in Arlington, and you'll never see it again publicly. And it's a massive thing. I think it's 30 feet tall. And we've seen that with the monuments in Richmond on Monument Avenue. Those things are gone. New Orleans has done the same thing. It's it's out of sight, out of mind, like it never happened. And that's what these people are all about. They've gone from, again, as I said, let's just put it in a more fitting place, in a, in a museum. Well, guess what? The museums don't want these things now. Nobody wants. Well, I know people want them out on display, but people are scared to accept these things because of the controversy that has been going on on memorials that all you got to do is look at them. They say what they're for, to memorialize people who died fighting for something they believed in. And you might disagree with that reason today, but... Back in 1862, 3, 4, and 5, those people went out and took bullets and weren't afraid of bullets coming at them to believe in something. And now we got these keyboard cowboys, these people who aren't afraid to take a bullet, aren't afraid to take a verbal bullet. Personally, it's all behind a keyboard, and they're causing things like this to happen i'm i'm hoping this order will stay in place and a sensible solution comes out of arlington national cemetery elsewhere in news headlines okay i got got all fired up elsewhere in our news headlines today sad news if you're a sports person eric montrose has died at the age of 52 montrose was a member of the north carolina tar hills back in the early 1990s and went on to be an NBA player for several years. He died after a courageous fight with cancer. Montrose died at his Chapel Hill, North Carolina home. He was diagnosed with cancer back in March as he had been a radio analyst on North Carolina Tar Heel game broadcast for quite some time and had to step away from that. And now, unfortunately, Eric Montrose has died. An announcement from UNC said to know Eric was to be his friend and the family knows that the ripples from the generous, thoughtful way that he lived his life will continue in the lives of the many people he touched with his deep and sincere kindness. Eric Montrose played for the Tar Heels under head coach Dean Smith from 1990 to 1994. He was a two-time AP second team All-American. And he was on Dean Smith's second NCAA National Championship team back in the 1993 season. 
He would go on to be picked the number nine overall pick by the Boston Celtics, and he played in the NBA up until 2002. He actually was a teammate at UNC of the current UNC head basketball coach, Hubert Davis. Again, at 52 years old, Eric Montrose has passed away. UNC Tar Heel great. A North Texas mother has now received a $3,000 bill from a hotel where her son died. This is disturbing. Beverly Carson received this bill. She said she first got a charge on her credit card for $5,000, but that was declined. Another for 4000 that was also declined, but a 3000 charge was approved. And the, according to the mother of this person who died in the hotel, the hotel manager told Beverly that her credit card was being charged for hazmat services to clean the room where her son died. And Beverly asked, how does the manager know within two hours of someone dying how much it's going to cost to have a cleaning team come out? She's not been able to get the charges reversed. Hmm. So just a, I think that's a low down type deal. Don't you think you have a person, a loved one in this case, a child die in a hotel room and then you get charged hours later by the hotel there? And I'm not sure if I know the hotel name. They are withholding it here from the story I'm reading, but um, it's the Nilo, Nilo Hotel, N-Y-L-O. There you have it. That's pretty low down on this hotel. You'd think something like this would be covered by the government, the first responders and more. There's almost like a routine of having hazmat come in and then the government, we taxpayers, end up paying for things like this. It's just kind of a service. But a grieving mother now getting hit with a $3,000 bill from the hotel where her son died. Yikes. Just a unfortunate story, and I'm sure stories like this happen all the time. We'll have more headlines as we go on in hours two and three of the Y'all Show, so stick around, including in our headlines that I'm going to tell you about today is a spinach recall that is affecting several southern states with this spinach recall. If you have some spinach that you just picked up at the grocery store, you might want to pay attention to that story when we tell you about it coming up. Also, Jarvis Greer has been a longtime Memphis sports broadcaster. And on Monday, a portion of a pretty famous road in Memphis renamed for Jarvis Greer. I've got that story, and I'll tell you a little bit about Jarvis Greer's sort of uh, shtick he does on TV or what he's done for a long time. And uh, it's pretty unique. I've seen a lot of TV personalities in my time. Never quite seen the kind of juke moves that Jarvis Greer made on Channel 5 WMC-TV in Memphis, Tennessee. We've got all that coming up here on this Tuesday Y'all Show. Hang on. When we return... We've got a look at some Southern political news. I'm going to let you hear from Al Franken. Yes, Mr. Saturday Night Live. He's going to bring some laughs when he talks about, oh, Biden and Trump. All that is ahead and other political happenings of the day on The Y'all Show. 
Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens Brown paper packages tied up with strings These are a few of my favorite things Green colored ponies and crisp apple strudel Doorbells and sleigh bells and schnitzel with noodles Wild geese that fly with the moon on their wing These are a few of my favorite things Sounds of the season from Laurie Morgan We're back here on the Y'all Show Just a few minutes left here in our opening hour of our Southern Conversation Going to close out this hour talking a little politics here Oh, we're just about a month away from the Iowa caucuses. Oh, that's going to be a wild time when we find out who emerges victorious. I think it's going to be DJT on the Republican side without exception. But the race for two is getting rather interesting. They say that Mrs. Haley is gaining on Trump. We'll we'll find out just how accurate that is when the real votes happen pretty darn soon we'll get more on the southern political front coming but let me first tell you a political story of sorts nearly nine million student loan borrowers have now this should be no surprise nearly nine million student loan borrowers have now missed their first payment after a pandemic pause ended that means 40 percent of the 22 million borrowers who had bills due on in october did not make payments by mid November. That according to the Department of Education. So people skipping out. And why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? The people that had all these student loans. The government's going to come through and pay for this, right? Why do you want to pay your student loans? Again, 9 million of these student loan borrowers missing out November by paying after a couple of years, after the pandemic paused their payments. Mm. Story out of Frankfort, Kentucky. The lieutenant governor of the Commonwealth of Kentucky is Jacqueline Coleman. And on Monday, she went underwent a double mastectomy after concerns were raised during a routine medical examination. She expects to make a full recovery. The surgery occurred less than a week after she and Governor Andy Bashir were sworn in for a second term. They are both Democrats leading a fairly red state. And, again, she had to have a double mastectomy Monday. Coleman thanked her family for its loving support and said she would see Kentuckians again soon. The surgery followed a routine physical exam. But our thoughts with the lieutenant governor of the Commonwealth, Lieutenant Governor Coleman, wishing her well recovering from this double mastectomy an update from wilmington delaware president biden's presidential motorcade got struck by a car sunday when he was at his campaign headquarters and it turns out no surprise that the person that hit the secret service suv was drinking the person charged with dui according to authorities in wilmington delaware the man not named in the most recent statement, but 
is being charged with driving under the influence in Wilmington, Delaware, according to the communications director for Wilmington, Delaware Police. Following an investigation, the police determined that this was an accidental collision, and they've charged the driver of the striking vehicle, a 46-year-old Wilmington man, with driving a vehicle under the influence of alcohol and inattentive driving. Hmm. I think drinking and driving can kind of make you inattentive. And what a little disaster there that happened Sunday evening around 8 o'clock Wilmington time when a Secret Service vehicle that was part of the president's motorcade route was struck by this drunk driver in downtown Wilmington where Biden had gone in on a Sunday night. He should have been at uh, a prayer meeting, but no, he, he, he went in and was working on politics. I guess he got what he deserved there for skipping church, although the car didn't hit his, whatever they call that, the beast. Although I saw the video, I believe he was climbing into an SUV, come to think of it. Let's tell you about some numbers coming in out of Georgia. And according to an article posted at atlantanewsfirst.com, there's more bad news for President Biden, and it's coming from the Peach State. As another poll shows that Joe Biden is trailing Donald Trump in the state of Georgia. And in other battleground states, this poll comes from Morning Consult on behalf of Bloomberg News. And the latest poll shows that Biden is trailing Trump by seven points in the Peach State. As the poll surveyed 801 Georgia voters with a margin of error plus or minus three points. And Trump is also leading, according to this Bloomberg poll, in seven swing states. He's up in Arizona by three. He's up in Georgia by seven. He's up in Michigan by four. Trump leads Biden in Nevada by five points. North Carolina by 11 points. Pennsylvania, he's up by one. And Wisconsin, Trump's over Biden by six points. So the closest one there is Pennsylvania. With the exception of Georgia and North Carolina, these results fall within each state's margin of error. So that is the latest poll numbers coming out of this most recent poll conducted. Trump has a clear lead with swing state voters when it comes to the economy, with a higher share of voters in each of the swing states say they trust Trump on this issue more than Biden. And I saw something on CNN earlier today where the key issues for voters, number one by far was inflation. And I think number two could have been the border, all of which Trump dominates Biden on. I mean, no question. And that's why we're seeing a guy that's got 91 counts pending lead the current president of the United States in Joe Biden. It It's getting wild and crazy. So wild and crazy, you might need some levity to go along with all this political talking. Al Franken is a good person to bring that levity. Of course, the former Saturday Night Live comedian who became a U.S. senator for a long time from the state of Minnesota, frankly, did a pretty good job representing that Yankee state until the Me Too movement. They got a hold of Al Franken and spit him out. But Franken, to to his credit, is out appearing on TV, and his voice is a voice worth listening to. If for no other reason, 
he might have something kind of funny to say. Al Franken was just on CNN. He was on with Aaron Burnett, and he talked about a $20 bet that he's got with Lindsey Graham. They made a bet with the uh, 2020 election. I wonder if Lindsey Graham paid up, and I wonder if they've got the $20 bet going for 2024. Here is Franken talking with Aaron Burnett of CNN about $20, but more importantly, talking about Biden and is he going to be able to make it to 2024's actual election day. I, I told Lindsey then that the guy who actually wins the Electoral College is the winner. And that's why I couldn't understand why he still backs Trump. Do you still have the um, have the confidence that Trump will win? When you, I mean, I'm sorry, that Biden will win when you look at Biden's approval polls, which, I mean, look, I it's understand. It's a year out. It's a year out. I mean, it's 37 percent. That's the lowest it's been. Um, but. People will look at his accomplishments. It's a year out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed the biggest infrastructure bill. Remember, Trump was I'm a builder and he, w- w- every week was infrastructure week and. We couldn't. Got waylaid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that never happened under him. He biggest investment in climate. Um, I, I think when we get close to the election, this this autocracy mm-hmm. issue will be an enormous issue for Americans. And you know, also they'll look at a, at a, this, mm-hmm. the court that he appointed and the threat of him appointing more people like that. I I, I think this is going to be a very close election. Um, All right, that's Al Franken with Aaron Burnett on CNN. Aaron Burnett out front is the name of that particular program. And I like what he has to say. At least he gives Democrats some confidence that, indeed, they'll be able to withstand all this, the, the incoming coming toward the president, Biden in this case. And he's confident that the accomplishments of which he claims Joe Biden has is going to be good enough for him to be reelected in 2024, if indeed he is the guy that's heading the ticket at that time. That wraps up our political report for this hour and this week. When we come back, hour two's got a lot of good stuff that we can't wait to tell you about books for Christmas. All that is ahead on y'all. this Tuesday broadcast has arrived and in this middle hour we've got coverage of Jonathan Majors the Marvel star found guilty on Monday we've got info about how he is in a lot of hot water and now cancellations coming including from Disney on this actor with a childhood spent in the state of Texas Jonathan Majors news as part of our entertainment report coming up later in this second hour we also have other entertainment news of the day that we'll be sharing, including, and that is news from Demi Lovato. Congratulations to her. And Old Dominion is going to have their own Nashville bar. The country music group 
announcing that. We've got all of that stories, those stories passing along in our entertainment news coming later on in this hour. We also have our Southern Book Report headed your way. And that Southern Book Report includes the 30 best books to gift for Christmas 2023. This comes to us from panmcmillan.com. And we can't wait to walk through that big list of books. If you're looking for a last-minute stocking stuffer, that article right there is going to be very, very helpful. So that's coming up here in hour number two. We also have our news headlines that will be jumping on here in just a sec. John Rawl here on the Y'all Show. Don't forget this program is available in podcast form as we're available on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, and we're in Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and we're posted at YALL.com. That's Y'all.com. Very easy ways for you to listen to us on your own schedule. 615-208-4184. That's our text line. We'd love to hear from you. And you can always email us here at the Y'all Show. Our email address is mail at com. Picking up our news headlines of the day, the big story nationwide is on Monday. Greg, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, has fired. <laughs> this guy's got a history of going to war with the United States government, not literally, but figuratively, uh, at least going to war legally might even be the better word. And, you know, Greg Abbott's a smart guy. He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer <laughs> and a Vanderbilt alum too. anchor down. But Greg Abbott Monday signs legislation. And I think he did this in Brownsville down on the border with the country of Mexico. Greg Abbott signing a new Texas law that essentially allows Texas police to arrest migrants who illegally cross the U.S. border, and it also gives local judges authority to order these illegal immigrants to go back to the country of where they came from. And we're going to find out how well this thing survives in court. It's reminiscent of a 2010 Arizona law a show-me-your-papers bill that was mostly struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court, ultimately. And the reason for that is immigration enforcement is typically a federal responsibility. And now the Texas law is going to be facing, there are probably paperwork, there's paperwork being filed right this second in Texas and really probably throughout the whole country going after this new Texas law, which is not set to take effect until March. But if it indeed survives and goes into effect in March, this new Texas state law allows Lone Star law enforcement officers to arrest people who are suspected of entering the country illegally. And once they're in custody, they can either agree to a Texas judge's order to leave the U.S. or be prosecuted on misdemeanor charges of illegal entry. Migrants who don't leave could face arrest again under more serious felony charges. Yes, indeed, on Monday, the governor signing this law in front of a section of the border fence in Brownsville, and he predicted the number of people crossing illegally into Texas would drop by well over 50%, maybe 75%. And he did not offer evidence of how he's going to get that kind of drop in illegal immigration But let's just pretend here for a minute. Let's just say that this law 
survives and it goes into effect in March. I think he could be accurate on that estimation. Look, if you're over on the other side of the Rio Grande trying to get in this country, and you know that not only are you going to go up against INS, but once you're in Texas, no matter where you are in Texas, by the way, you don't have to be right there on the border, but if you make it all the way to Texarkana and a Texas law enforcement person picks you up there, you can be sent back if you get it to the right judge. And you can't say that for this country's own immigration enforcement. The laws are so out of whack. The enforcement, are it's out of whack. The government does not do its job to protect and defend. And this is totally hearsay, but I don't know why somebody would make this up. <laughs> Y'all do your own research, but I was told over the weekend, now this will this will really fire you up. I was told over the weekend that these illegal immigrants are getting debit cards when they get to this country. And the amount varies, but I think I heard upwards of close to $10,000 in some cases, depending maybe on your family and all the needs, but at least hundreds of dollars put on a card for you but i was told several thousand again i am not verifying this is true because i haven't seen proof of this it's just hearsay but the person that told me that watches news all day long and i can't imagine they just made that one up and these people are also as soon as they cross the border in some cases jump on an airplane And I was told they're being sent to Buffalo, New York right now. So how would you like to go, let's say, from somewhere deep in South America, where it's 100 degrees almost every day, and all of a sudden you wake up after you cross into the United States on a plane bound for for, uh, Buffalo, New York, and and it's minus 5 degrees all of a sudden. I mean, that's almost inhumane. I don't know who in their right mind would volunteer for such a thing. But that's what I was told. And I'm just telling y'all, you can go look into it yourself if you would like. But, uh, hey, I would travel here if I knew I was going to get $10,000 and and a plane ticket to Buffalo, New York. That, That sounds pretty exciting. And if you're a United States citizen, and if indeed what I just told you is true, Does that not fire you up? Are are you a U.S. citizen who is struggling and hundreds, if not thousands of dollars? If you were given that by your government, wouldn't that really help you? You who you've been here, you're an official United States citizen, and your government is giving this stuff to people who are illegal immigrants? If if this is true, and I guess it doesn't take too much to, to look it up, but... I haven't done that. I'm just I'm just telling you like it is. Some hearsay is part of our news headlines of the day. But I bring this up because Greg Abbott's trying to do everything he can to stop it. It's out of control. I mean, when you have millions of people crossing into your state, 
as Texas does each and every year now that Biden's been in office. This state of Texas can't handle it. And the federal government is certainly not helping out Texans and keeping them safe and making the nation secure with more than 100 different countries now documented of having illegal immigrants crossing to the United States illegally from Mexico. And it's not necessarily a slap against South America or our Central America neighbors or even Mexico. People are coming from all over the world, and we have no clue who they are. And what country in their right mind would do such a thing and say, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. And something's got to change. Greg Abbott's hoping it could be what he's proposed and trying to pass right now in the state of Texas. Moving on in our headlines across the South today, I want to let you know that there is a spinach recall as Fresh Express is recalling spinach distributed to seven states because it may contain listeria, that according to the Food and Drug Administration. Now, good news, there's not yet been been reports of a listeria outbreak, but the brand Fresh Express launched the limited recall after Florida Department of Agriculture registered a positive result during a routine test for listeria. The prepackaged greens sold in 8-ounce Fresh Express bags, as well as 9-ounce bags under the Publix brand name. And I'm going to tell you where these packages of spinach were distributed. By the way, Listeria, which can cause serious and even fatal infections in young children or people with weakened immune systems, Listeria generally causes symptoms that include fever, headache, Stiffness, nausea, abdominal pain, and diarrhea. And among pregnant women, listeria can cause a miscarriage or stillbirth. So the two brands, again, that were labeled that have this listeria outbreak, the brand called Fresh Express Spinach. If you have an 8-ounce package of that, with the bag code of G332, bring it back in and, and get your money's worth, money's back for it. That particular eight ounce package of fresh express spinach was distributed to Alabama, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, and Virginia stores. So keep that in mind. Fresh express spinach is the brand and a recall on bag code G332 with a use-by date of December 15th, distributed to the states of Alabama, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, and Virginia. Now, if you've got spinach from Publix, and it's the Publix brand spinach package, nine ounces is what they've got at Publix, a nine-ounce Publix spinach bag with the bag code of also G332, used by date of December 14th, 2023. Public stores with that brand of public spinach, a recall in the states of Alabama, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. I think that's, I think it's pretty much the public's footprint in the Southeast 
<clears throat> so if you have spinach with a Publix brand name on it and you've picked it up in the last couple of days, check to see if you've got the bag code 332 with a use-by date of December 14th. And if you do, then that thing is being recalled and don't do not use it as listeria has been detected. And we want to keep y'all nice and safe going forward. Also in our news headlines, we've got a story out of Memphis. Congratulations to Jarvis Greer, who retired back in December of last year after he worked at Action News 5 WMC television, worked there for 43 years. He's also done some color analyst work with the Memphis Tigers. I know with football, at least, Jarvis Greer there did. But he, for a long time, was Channel 5 in Memphis's sports director. And he grew up in the Lamar Airways neighborhood of Memphis. And now, congratulations to Jarvis Greer, a media guy gets a road named after him in Memphis. Congratulations to Jarvis as a portion of of Parkway, South Parkway in Memphis is now going to be called the Jarvis Greer Parkway. <laughs> Named after Action News 5 sports director alum. Again, he retired last December after 43 years of being on the air in Memphis. And now the portion of the street that goes in front of his childhood home bears the name Jarvis Greer. Jarvis said he is honored and flabbergasted at the renaming, but proud to represent his city. And I I feel like going and checking this Jarvis Greer portion of South Parkway in Memphis after a guy again who was on the air for more than 40 years as sports director. And to Jarvis Greer's uh, Greer's credit, he, he stayed in Memphis. I'm sure he had a chance to move on at some point to a maybe a bigger market. But he chose to stay in his hometown. And the neat thing about Jarvis Greer, if you've ever been in Memphis and you saw his sports broadcast, he would always give his sports in a very uh, staccato, cheerful way. But it was the way he wrapped it up. And he would always do this sort of uh, looking at the camera and looking off to the left and right. And and it was it was comedic. And if you never had seen him in action, you're thinking, what's wrong with that guy? But he just had his own unique way of wrapping up his sports report. And uh, I'm going to have to dip out of here kind of like what he did on his sports report on Channel 5 in Memphis. But a big loss from having him on air. But how about having his street named on a pretty important parkway, South Parkway and all of Parkway, if you're not familiar with Memphis. That used to be sort of the city boundary of old Memphis Parkway. And now the city has expanded well beyond that. And shoot, now truly Memphis spreads into North Mississippi and also over across the river into East Arkansas, Eastern Arkansas in towns like West Memphis. But in old Memphis Parkway was, was the boundary and a lot of important Business still goes on on South Parkway and all other portions of Parkway in Memphis. And Jarvis Greer properly getting some some credit there with that Parkway being named in his honor. Congratulations, sir. And uh, with that, bloop, 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 I'm out of here with our news headline. I was trying to imitate Jarvis Greer, and I'm no Jarvis Greer. 
We're the Y'all Show. We are a show all about Dixie. And when we come back, we're going to tell you about books. We've got Christmas just around the corner, and we got some great ideas. If you're looking to get something for somebody and you don't know what to get them, a book might be just the ticket. And I got a great article that we pulled up about some books perfect for Christmas gifts, and we'll share that list with you. Plus, we'll give you the New York Times bestsellers right now. Those books right there would be surely a nice gift. Somebody, if you're out there listening, I'd love to read all about Britney Spears. The Woman and Me is <laughs> it's a big seller right now, and I haven't read it. I want to know more about Britney Spears, so if you're listening. So in my Jarvis Greer best take, I'm out of here. See you later. This is Y'all Show. Oklahoma boy Brian White. So much for pretending some 90s country here on the show all about the South. We're not going to be pretending. We're going to be real, keeping it real. Look out here on the y'all show. Let's talk a little books. We got Christmas just a handful of days away, and we are going to go to the New York Times. That's where we generally go for all of the best-selling books out there. And if you're Looking for something just in time for Christmas 2023? Then check out the New York Times bestsellers. Number one in the print and ebook fiction category right now is Rebecca Yaros's Fourth Wing. She also has her book Iron Flame coming in at number two. James McBride's The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. 
which has been out just over a month. It's number three on the NYT fiction list. John Grisham's The Exchange, which is the sequel to The Firm. It's at number four. And this one is back on the list. It's been out about a half a year now. Icebreaker from Hannah Grace. And this is a book where Anastasia might need the help of the captain of a college hockey team to get on the Olympic figure skating team. Hmm. A little, maybe a little romance for Christmas. Those are your top five New York Times bestsellers in fiction. Oh, my goodness. We got a new book at number one on the nonfiction list. Who is reading this one? I want to know who has read this book. Shame on you. Number one this week in the nonfiction category, it's called Oath and Honor, and it is by Liz Cheney, the former congressman from Wyoming, recounts how she helped lead the select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. Oh, my goodness. Liz Cheney, the author, and maybe a presidential candidate in 2024 if she keeps having success like having Number one, selling books like she's got right now. That book debuting this week at number one from Liz Cheney, Oath and Honor. And her book kicks out of the top spot, Miss Brittany Spears from Kentwood. As The Woman in Me, the dramatic bio that Brittany wrote about herself, it's falling now to number two on the nonfiction list. David Gron's The Wager is at number three. David Gron's Killers of the Flower Moon is at number four. And Barbara Streisand's bio, My Name is Barbara, which she actually wrote, just like Britney Spears wrote her book. So I think the term is autobiography. <laughs> Britney and Barbara Streisand, two of the top five books out right now. And kudos to those singers and actresses and just icons pop icons for both i guess you could say and southern icon in the case of britney spears those are your top non-fiction books here on the y'all show so books do make great little stocking stuffers and with that in mind if you're still on the fence about what to get honey or honey's uncle or honey's boss that you don't know or your own boss you're not sure what to do The website panmcmillan.com has put out an article, The 30 Best Books to Gift for Christmas 2023. Whether you're searching for something for a literature lover or anyone else on your Christmas list, they've got you covered with their selection of the best books to give as gifts this festive season. And they've got it broken down into several different categories. And I'm going to highlight, again, some of the 30 best books to gift for Christmas 2023, according to panmcmillan.com. And Christmas is a book that you might want to give, a Christmas theme book at least. And David Stewart Davies, David Stewart Davies has penned the book Classic Christmas Crime Stories. Nothing says Merry Christmas like a good crime story. And so this book is on this list of the 30 best books to give. Another book. Christmas-related is from Becky Brown in her book, Round About the Christmas Tree, as it has the various facets of the festive season represented in one great book. It's got Charles Dickens and Arthur Conan Doyle stories in there. 
It's part of Macmillan Collector's Library, a series of stunning cloth-bound pocket-sized classics. All in this neat little book, Round About the Christmas Tree. Becky Brown has that one. Gabby Morgan has penned the book Poems for Christmas, and it is considered to be one of the top 30 books to give. How about F. Scott Fitzgerald and the American Classics Collection? It looks like it's about four books packaged in a beautiful cloth-bound pocket size presentation. It even has ribbon markers available and gold foiled edges. It's, It's really a beautiful thing. And let's just be real here. There are people who are avid book readers, and then there are the people like me that are pretend book lovers. I've got a lot of books, and yours truly does not read books. I I just don't, and frankly never have enjoyed reading. I had to do it to get through college and grad school, but when I could get out of being forced to read no way jose am i going to be out reading books and this new american classics collection at least makes you look pretty cool and and rather smart if you're trying to impress somebody american classic collection it includes the beautiful and damn by f scott fitzgerald it's got edith wharton's the house of mirth in it the scarlet letter by nathaniel hawthorne and adventures of huckleberry finn by mark twain all packaged in it and so how about that a nice christmas gift and the other options if you're looking for something else for this article the 30 best books to give for christmas 2023 they've got some nonfiction choices and a book called with you every step is among that and that is a book by rob burrow and this is a book that celebrates friendship with you every step pretty neat little story especially let's say you got a buddy and it's okay for guys to give their buddies a book so hey bubba merry christmas here's a book read about it it's it's about two guys and their lifelong friendship and (laughs) and no there ain't no romance going on it's just they're just buddies sometimes it's okay to just be buddies and even for guys, that's the that's the truth. Another book on the 30 best books for Christmas 2023 from PennMcMillan.com. It's Robert Hardman's book, Queen of Our Times. And this is the, according to the website, the definitive biography of Queen Elizabeth II. And it was written by one of Britain's leading royal authorities. So now that we can close the book, literally, on Queen Elizabeth You can have this awesome keepsake book from Robert Hardman, Queen of Our Times. John Ronson's book, The Psychopath Test, is also among the books recommended for Christmas 2023. A Book Lover's Guide to the Zodiac from Charlie Castelletti. It's made the list of 30 best books. And this one's kind of cool. This one... This one's some a book that everybody can agree on would be a nice book to receive. It's from Gonzalez Bachias, A Brief Atlas of the Lighthouses at the End of the World. This is sort of a look at lighthouses and the architecture of lighthouses, and it'll shine a light 
on your Christmas if you give this thing <laughs> as a gift at Christmas. Another book that made the list of top 30 books to give for Christmas 2023, Nina Stibbe's Went to London, Took the Dog, A Diary. Two years after the publication of the prize-winning Love, Nina comes the author's diary of her own return to London in her 61st year. How about that? Check it out from Nina and her book, Went to London, Took the Dog, A Diary. All right, another one also worth checking out on their list is about K-pop band BTS. I know some of you may not know what K-pop is, but that's essentially the South Korean pop music. And there are lots and lots and lots of fans of K-pop. And there's a band called BTS. And this book out that's one of the top 30 books to consider for Christmas 2023, it's called Beyond the Story, and it's all about BTS on their 10th anniversary. This is the band's first official book. They wrote it, and it tells you about the treasure trove of unseen photographs and exclusive content, a must-have for fans of the band or K-pop in general. So check it out, direct from Soul to You, K-pop, and BTS on their 10th anniversary, this boy band. And I, I keep seeing stories where, I think it's BTS. Some of these guys end up being recruited and taken into the South Korean army for training right in the middle of their music career. And, hey, kudos on that. I'm glad we've got big stars, at least in one music form, in this case, K-pop, that are actively going to go out and serve the country. I can't think of any major pop star in this country that has dropped it all to go serve, except for Elvis Presley, of course, who got drafted back in the 1950s. And uh, that was pretty neat that he would go and do that and didn't didn't try to run from his, his duty. Made some good friends and met his uh, wife-to-be while serving over in Germany. We know that story well there with Miss Priscilla. But that is, a again, a new article out that you can check out on the website, panmcmillan.com, the 30 best books to gift for Christmas 2023. Go check it out, and a book is always a good option. It, if nothing else, it will be there on a desk for years to come, and that person will have a memory that you gave it to them when maybe your book has already been written, if, if you know what I mean. <laughs> When we come back, we're going to switch over from book world to the entertainment world. We had an arrest of a fairly big star in Hollywood on Monday, and we're going to tell you about Jonathan Majors and what's going on with him, a guy who spent his childhood in the Lone Star State. That plus Demi Lovato knows and Old Dominion opening up their own dive bar in Nashville. That's coming right up. Pick up the piece. 
Tell us to help wrap up our second hour of this, the Y'all Show on a Tuesday. Good to have you back here. And got an entertainment report to tell you about. Monday, actor Jonathan Majors was found guilty by a Manhattan jury. The 34-year-old Majors found guilty of one misdemeanor assault charge and also guilty of a harassment violation for an altercation he had back in March with his then-girlfriend, Grace Jabari. And the actor now feeling the not only legal headache of his action, but now Marvel Studios and the Walt Disney Company, they've dropped Jonathan Majors from all future projects. Tough day for him. Again, the actor convicted of assault and harassment Monday. Jonathan Majors actually spent some of his childhood in the Lone Star State. Although born in California, he would move on to Texas as a youngster with his family. The family moved in various cities of Texas. He lived in Dallas, Georgetown, and in Cedar Hill. He actually graduated from Cedar Hill High School, or rather he went to Cedar Hill and then graduated from Duncanville High School in Texas in 2008 before Moving on to go to college at UNC, he went to the UNC School of the Arts and got his bachelor's degree, then went on to Yale and got an MFA from Yale, the Ivy League school in Connecticut, but a guy with a history in Texas and in North Carolina. And unfortunately for him, has now been found guilty of assault and harassment against Grace Jabari. Sentencing for this is going to be in February of 2024. The conviction again helping Marvel Studios drop him. They severed ties with him after this conviction. Grace Jabari, by the way, is a British dancer and a movement coach that she was in a relationship with him prior to their unfortunate incident for Major's case where he now has been found guilty. A little bit more positive news from the entertainment world. Congratulations to Demi Lovato, another lady with a Texas tie. She and Jordan Jutes Lutz are engaged. How do you get a name like like Jutes Lutz? But that's that's his nickname. The singer went to Instagram over the weekend to share the news that she got engaged to songwriter Jordan Lutz. As Lovato wrote, I'm still speechless. Last night was the best night of my life, and I can't believe I get to marry the love of my life. My love, I'm beyond excited to marry you. Every day I've spent with you has been a dream come true, and I can't wait to love and cherish you forever. Here's to the rest of our lives. I love you, baby. That from Demi Lovato. And she's getting some nice praise from her friends like Selma Blair, 
who wrote on Instagram, I am so happy for you both. Jute's music is so lucky to have you. May this love grow infinity. I love you, and I'm so happy for you. Gorgeous news. So that's pretty awesome there that Demi Lovato is going to be a married woman. Demi, by the way, was born in Albuquerque. She's 31 years old now, but not long after she was born to the daughter of a former Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, by the way. So she's got some good genetics. And no, her mother was not Dolly Parton. (laughs) Uh, Her mom was the former Lee Smith. And she had Demi. And she has, her dad is musician Patrick Martin Lovato. And she even has a sister named Dallas. Gee, I wonder where that came from. But she ended up moving on to the state of Texas as a child and grew up in Dallas. And in the Dallas area, she started playing piano at the age of seven and guitar at 10 and started dancing and acting. And ultimately, she got her acting career going on Barney and Friends. And then she appeared in the movie Prison Break, Just Jordan and more Demi Lovato, one of these famous youngsters, actually younger than Taylor Swift at only 31 now, but singer, songwriter, actress, and more, and soon to be a married woman. She's going to be taken off the market. Congratulations to Demi. This is a rather interesting read that I found that I wanted to tell you about. This comes to us from A.J. Willingham on CNN.com. He's been, or A.J., is is A.J. a woman? I can't tell by the photo, so we'll just call them they. They, them. (laughs) Uh, A.J., let me me zoom in here. I think A.J.'s a woman, I think. The little photos on these websites aren't quite big enough. But they identify as A.J., so that's that's where I'm going to go with it. Uh, A.J. has penned the article, The Christmas Songs You Love to Hate the Most. Oh, Lordy, don't tell me Grandma got run over by reindeers on here. Yeah, A.J. has put a lot of effort into this article that you can read all about at CNN.com. And among the songs that people just don't like at Christmas time, The Christmas Shoes which was written and performed by New Song. Another one is Wonderful Christmas Time from Paul McCartney. And I think that's a kind of neat song, to be honest with you, from Mr. Paul McCartney. Also on the list is Do They Know It's Christmas? You have the another selection or two. Come on, load it up there, AJ. AJ's not helping me out here. Uh, let's see here. Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer by Randy Brooks, performed by Elmo and Patsy back in 1979. It is on this list, as well as the Chipmunk song and Santa Baby. Come on now, that's that's a that's a cool song. Baby, It's Cold Outside is on the list of Christmas songs that we really just don't like. Fun article. Go check it out if you get a chance. Let's move on to Music City, USA. Old Dominion has announced the opening of their Nashville Bar Odie's. Odie's is going to be open, and it will join up alongside all the other 
bars on Music Row and beyond. Not these bars aren't on Music Row. That are downtown is where they're located, just off of uh, Lower Broadway, and they're going to end up opening this thing up in 2024. Old Dominion, their bar will be at no. This is an exception. The, the article even points this out. Odie's is going to be located at 1919 Division Street near Music Row instead of the lower Broadway setup. Maybe there's just no room at the end for another celebrity theme theme bar in downtown Nashville. But, uh, oh, yeah, Odie's. Check it out. The idea for Odie's was born at a band lunch some time ago, and now they'll have their own bar. And I wonder if they're going to have hotel keys passed out there at Odie's when it gets up and going. That's a great little Old Dominion song. She kept the hotel key. All right. Morgan Wallen, Kane Brown, Blake Shelton, and others are now being added to the New Year's Eve Live, Nashville's Big Bash. That's going to air on December 31st on the CBS Network and stream on Paramount+. Plus. So check out Morgan Wallen helping bring in the new year. And that's a look at our entertainment news of the day from all of us here at Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Hour three is coming at you next. You stick around for the fun. We got Jerry Short, the Taco Store Teller, coming back. Welcome in. It's our final hour of this Tuesday broadcast. In your Dixie air chair is yours truly, John Rawl, the general of all things Southern. How y'all doing? We got a great hour. We got more news headlines to pass along with you, or to you here on this Tuesday, including info on the funeral that's going on today for Sandra Day O'Connor, the first female U.S. Supreme Court justice. That's coming up. We'll talk about the border with Texas as part of our news headlines here in this final hour of the Y'all Show. And we also have a story that we'll pass along, and it is about how, well, it's about how in Alabama, a guy that was a big part of the movie American Pie, Stifler, Stifler's in Birmingham, (laughs) y'all. Go check him out. He's filming an action movie in the Magic City. I've got that story to pass along as part of our fun headlines of the day and if that's not fun enough telling you about stifler in the south here this week i'm going to let you know about the takapola storyteller he's dropping by in just a few minutes jerry short is going to come on and talk about christmas and new year's some reflections on mr storyteller himself that's coming and also before we get out of here today we've got some food to tell you it's our southern food for thought segment And we've got 23 Christmas coffee drinks to keep you warm in the winter. And that's going to be a great, great, delicious brew served up nice and hot 
courtesy of InsanelyGoodRecipes.com. All that here in our final hour. If you'd like to jump on the y'all train, feel free to do that. Mail at y'all.com is one way to reach us. Also, the y'all show can be reached via text 615-208-4184. You can let, you know, we'll let you know that you can catch our podcast. In addition to being on great radio stations across the Southeast, the podcast of the y'all show is up and going on Spotify, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, as well as Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and we're on y'all.com. So we try to make it just as easy as possible for you to get connected with the show that's truly the South Show. And it's great to be here on this final hour of our Tuesday get-together. Let's pick up with a news headline or two, and we even have some commentary coming in from our Y'all Show text line about our opening story, and that would be, On Monday, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas signed legislation that makes it now a state law in the Lone Star State. The state law allows police to now, starting in March, arrest migrants who illegally cross the United States border. And it also gives local judges the authority to order them to leave the country. And this is going to be challenged in court. It's going to be challenged all the way to the Supreme Court, I'm sure, Much of this is going to be similar to the 2010 Arizona law that the Supreme Court ultimately came out and struck down most of the show me your papers bill. And the Supreme Court is going to look at this when it gets into effect, if not sooner than later. Oddly enough, there is a connection between that 2010 Arizona law and what we've got going on right now, not just in Texas, But nationwide, think back. What were you doing in 2010? What what, what was the big story in 2010? You know, this would have been early in Obama's presidency. And times were still coming out of the tremendous almost crash on Wall Street at that time. And there was a woman that used to be on television a lot. And it had to do with the border. And it had to do with illegal immigration. And she was a conservative darling for a while. I bet you you have not seen this lady in quite some time for some reason. I guess she's gone intentionally missing in action. Jan Brewer was the governor of Arizona back in 2010. And she was sort of the number one person trying to crack down on illegal immigration. And she got a lot of credit. She got a lot of conservative praise back during that time period. And a woman who was a brand-new governor in South Carolina did all she could to mimic Jan Brewer to get some of that national attention her way. And that woman was Nikki Haley. And she definitely copied what Jan Brewer had done in Arizona in South Carolina. Jan Brewer, who's 79 years old, She is younger than Joe Biden. She could easily be out somewhere making some headlines. I haven't seen or heard from her. In fact, let me click on this bio and see if it says what the world she's doing now. But we sure know what Nikki Haley's doing right now as she's running for president. And if if things don't stop hemorrhaging for some of these people, heck, she could be the leading person before this is all said and done. 
But but Jan Brewer, according to this article that I'm reading, she in 2022, Jan Brewer advised Carrie Lake to stop discussing debunked claims of voter fraud in the U.S. So she's still weighing in with politics, but she's not exactly trying to get out there and be seen. She did go out in 2016 and campaign alongside Donald Trump as she supported him, especially when she said that he would secure the borders and defend workers and protect sovereignty. But Jan Brewer from 2010 and now Nikki Haley, who also was trying to get headlines at that time, she's definitely got the bright lights upon her right now. So in hour two today, I brought up about how there is a a rumor going around that I had a source tell me that the government has given people literally money. Once they come in here illegally, they get a card and they, they get to go off with lots of government money, okay? And so I've just received this text. Again, I can't prove this is real. This is what somebody sent in. I just read it as they come. But this is what someone sent, and they sent it to me as an image, so this is not the easiest thing to try to decipher. But the texter here, and I appreciate him sending this, says, claiming people who don't even live in our country, that's some messed up stuff. Who agrees that this is outrageous? And then they've got the post of someone else named P.J. Gambrell, who I don't know who that is, but according to the social media account of someone named P.J. Gambrell, they put, Do you, did you know that illegals can file a tax return with a temporary ITIN and also claim relatives that still live in Mexico and other countries? That's what this P.J. Gambrell says on social media. And I'm going to check out who that is in just a second. Again, appreciate the feedback here of someone after I mentioned this whole speculation that people are getting paid to be in the country illegally. Look, nothing surprises me. Nothing surprises me. Evidently, P.J. Gambrell is not exactly a household name because they're not easily showing up with, like, journalistic credentials. But this post from B.J. says that, did you know that illegals can file a tax return with a temporary ITIN? I don't know what that stands for, but they also can claim relatives that still live in Mexico and other countries. The uh, the post says, last year the IRS gave approximately $3.2 billion in refunds. How do I know I work for the IRS for 17 years? Hashtag truth. Okay, PJ, if this is not fake news, I guess I guess you know what you're talking about. But uh, I-T-N-N is the term, and that stands for uh, tax income tax calculator. I don't know. I'm not an accountant. But I appreciate you sending that in, and y'all do your own research if this has merit or not, of government waste. Is it possible the government wastes money? That is, that's, a, that's a big question to try to have to answer. <laughs> All right, thank you for sharing that text. I appreciate that. Also, in our news headlines of this day, the funeral of the Supreme Court justice that was the first Supreme Court justice 
that was a female will be held today as Sandra Day O'Connor, the funeral held on this Tuesday in Washington, D.C. President Biden, as well as Chief Justice John Roberts, are scheduled to speak at Washington National Cathedral. Sandra Day O'Connor retired from the high court back in 2006 after two decades serving as a Supreme Court justice. She died at the age of 93 on December 1st. She was nominated to the high court of the land by Ronald Reagan back in 1981. And a solemn day today as they had her body lay in repose Monday at the U.S. Supreme Court and now at the National Cathedral today, the funeral of the nation's first female U.S. Supreme Court Justice, Sandra Day O'Connor. Former UNC Tar Heel basketball player Eric Montrose, who helped the Tar Heels to a 1993 national championship and later went on to play for about a decade in the NBA after being drafted in the first round as a number nine overall pick by the Boston Celtics after his UNC career. Eric Montrose died after a battle with cancer. He was 52 years old. And lastly, in our headlines, if you want to make it to the Magic City here soon, a guy that was a pretty big part in the movie American Pie, a bizarre, bizarre film, but a funny film from roughly 20 years ago. Stifler is in Birmingham filming an action movie. And if you're riding around the suburbs of Birmingham here in the next couple of days and you see someone that looks like the actor that played Stifler in American Pie, then yeah, chances are that is exactly who that is. And maybe you can get an autograph. Maybe, just maybe, you might even have a chance to say hello and and, and get an autograph. Not just get an autograph, get a selfie with Stifler. That, that's a great little movie. And the funny thing is, I know this guy, and I'm drawing a blank, the article that I had pulled up died on me all of a sudden. Uh, and I'm trying to pull it up. I don't, I don't know the actor's name, but he's filming an action movie in Birmingham. And remember, Matthew McConaughey was just in the Birmingham area mm, over the summertime, I think it was, doing some work. In fact, he was in Birmingham when Texas played the Crimson Tide in a football game. And that worked out pretty well for Texas fans. The, the actor is Sean William Scott. It finally pulled up for me. And he is uh, playing in the lead role of the Lethal Weapon TV series. And he, at 47 years old, is in Birmingham for the next few weeks. And American Pie was out in 1999. It's been more than 20 years ago. Jeesh. Jeesh, jeesh. My, how time flies. So... Mr. Scott, Mr. Sean William Scott, have a good time in the Magic City and good luck filming in probably a chilly Magic City these days. That concludes our news headlines for our final hour here on this Tuesday Y'all Show. Stay tuned. We've got the Takapola Storyteller lined up and coming at you. we got Christmas just a few days away. We're going to get some Christmas thoughts from Mr. Storyteller himself and this is our final visit with the Takapolo Storyteller for the year 2023. And so we're going to get some thoughts on him, from him about this year, what New Year's means and more. And it's always good to catch up with Jerry. And we're going to do that right after this break here on Y'all Talk with an Accent on the South. Again, podcast of the show available on Spotify, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and 
Y-A-L-L.com. That would be y'all.com, the South's homepage. It's Takapola time coming up. Season to talk about Takapola. We're back here on the Y'all Show. John Rawl, the general of all things Southern, welcoming in our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, into the program. If you're not familiar with Jerry, he comes on and often tells us about the good old days, but he has plenty to say about current times and more. And Jerry, we are right on the edge of Christmas 2023. A very Merry Christmas to you, sir. Well, uh, return at the <clears throat> Merry Christmas to you and your family. <clears throat> Congratulations on another year, almost. Yeah. And uh, we'll see if we can get 24 in. We'll definitely try to do that. You're coughing on us here today. You're, you're not under the weather like half of the country is right now, are you? No, I brought my dog inside the house last night. and uh, I think I got cold going out, getting her and renting her in and taking her back out this morning and feeding her. Yeah. Our dog's food was frozen, and I noticed when Ooh. I opened the can. <laughs> you got a little soft spot. Cold. You got a little soft spot for your canine there. Uh, you know, dogs like yours, I think, live outside generally. But when we have our really, really cold spells across the southeast, people like you, Jerry, take the time to to bring them on in. Yeah, you gotta feel sorry for a dog in this kind of weather. And, uh, you know, I bought her. I'd been really, well, I did buy her. It cost me a hundred dollars at a rescue, uh, uh, place in Oxford, Mississippi. But, uh, you know, they give them shots and bed takes care of them and they fix them where there won't be a bunch of puppies coming around. So anyway, she, uh, she's a really a good one, but she's more of a kind of an outside guard dog. But when it gets cold, you know, I ain't got a heater out in her shed. So, uh, I bring her in when mm. it gets this kind. I usually wait till it gets about 25, 26. I think last night it got about 26, I think. And it's still pretty cold. And Jer- so, uh, Jerry, I've actually met got- I've actually met your dog before and I kind of like the name of your canine. Well, I'm bad about that. I probably give her a name that I've given seven or eight dogs in my life uh or one uh, similar. Uh I named her Dixie. That's a good and, name. Yeah. Yeah, I always thought so. I had horses named Rebel and and uh, dogs named Dixie and dogs named Rebel. And so, you know, I, I didn't have to remember to call one by the wrong name. I would always call it just one of the names, one of those two names usually. Yeah, my first dog was a schnauzer named Rebel as well. So that's a good there name. There you go. I don't know it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're from the South, sounds like. Yeah, Rebel and Dixie are pretty common names. Uh, for our canines, so so well, you know a lot of old ladies named Rebel. I oh, mean, is that right? A lot, of Dixie, a lot of Dixie Rebels. You know, women and they used to that used to be a popular name with uh, people back in the twenties. I guess had named their kids uh, 
had a couple of friends. Mothers was named Dixie's, and a couple of businesses a lady owned. Uh, owned a Ford place in the town I lived in, and it was Dixie. Hmm. Uh, her first name led off the last name of the Ford place, Dixie. So, hmm. you know, it's really common. It was common then. It's just kind of like most everything that we've got this day and time falling by the wayside. Yeah, and I don't know what uh, the names that are so cop- common right now, but Dixie should make a comeback. It's a great name. Of course, if y'all don't know the name Dixie, where it comes from, you know where it comes from, right? Or do I get to be a teacher to you? I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you. Uh, do you know? Really inform me. Do you actually? Know? I think it comes from a song. Yeah. Well, no. It, the song, yes, is called Dixie, but it actually predates the song. And oh, Jer- Jerry, it comes from your favorite town in America. Oh, my favorite town in America? Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. I see. I don't know where I'd go. Uh, it, it's in the South. It's in the South? Mm. Jackson, Mississippi? No. That's not my favorite town. <laughs> no. Uh, it comes from New, New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah, New oh. Orleans. So, oh, is that like rally around the Bonnie Blue flag or something? I'm well, no, that was Jackson. He went to New Orleans. Yeah, yeah that Bonnie Blue was written. It was written in Jackson, Mississippi, another famous song. But the song, the song Dixie was written by Dan Emmett, who was a Yankee from Ohio. But well before his song was written, the name Dixie became a nickname for this portion of America. And, and, and the reason that name came about was what was the most valuable thing in the world circa 1800, Jerry? Sounds like cotton would have been. Cotton would have been. You're absolutely right. And New Orleans was a big cotton port. And there was a bank that would put out cotton notes. And I guess because oh, okay. of the, the, the great wealth of this bank in New Orleans, they would put out money that had, I guess it had artwork that had cotton on it, but the main thing is it had the French word for 10. It was a $10 note, and it would have the word for $10 note on it. And in French, monsieur, what is the French word for 10? Dix, I think. Yeah, D-I-X, I believe is how it is. Let's say it's un, deux, trois, quatre, six. Uh, yeah, Dix, Dix, I think. Yeah, Dix. In my top ten. So uh, this, I can count to ten. Okay, yeah. well, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah, yeah, we, we. So these $10 notes became the more valuable financial note, sort of like what we consider the dollar is today. It became the standard around at least Europe. And uh-huh. people were like, where is this thing from? The land of D. And that's where the word Dixie comes from. It's from the land of D, the land of 10. And Dix became Dixie. That's the story oh, okay. of the name Dixie. You can pay me later. Yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, if I, if I can find a 10, <laughs> I'll pay you. I'll take a 10 in uh, 1800s French. French notes, or I'll take them in a current Alexander Hamilton note if I can get one. But uh, that's that's where that word comes from here on the uh, Christmas and Dixie edition of our y'all show. So, Jerry, we got Christmas just a few days away. Uh, Christmas and Dixie, what, what does that mean to you? What what uh, what is it for you, sir? Well, um, you know, I'm not real sentimental, and. Uh, you know, I don't know where they come from. That makes Maybe no sense. Why would child. you not be sentimental? You've got mm-hmm. a, a nice family. You've had a 
I think, I mean, you've made it this far in life. You've had a lot of people pass away many, 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 many years ago that uh, could easily have been. That's probably got a lot to do with it because, you know, most of my family has been deceased for so long. And uh, my immediate family of that time and period of Christmas that you remember as a childhood. And, uh, you know, like my mother died when she was 43. And and my daddy was 53 six months later. And my granddaddy was 61 and 64. And I was 18. So, you know, and then it just kind of evolved. It, uh, you know, I don't really associate the two. I just play them uh, day by day. Like December 25th is December 25th, but mostly. And I know that sounds a little bit crude and a little bit, yeah, they want to, you know. But, you know, I still, I respect Christmas and I honor Christmas. And obviously you get together gifts for uh, your current immediate family. And that's coming up uh, Monday, maybe. Is that the 25th? Yes, and, it is. Um, I was thinking maybe it was because I needed to go to the bank today. But uh, but anyway, that uh, you know, it, it gets to be a big gift situation, which, uh, you know, that's okay. Just don't overdo it. I understand it. A lot of people like to re-gift gifts that they got the year before. And uh, just make sure you don't give somebody the same gift that uh, they gave you. Don't give it back to them. But uh, by the way, what do you what you got anything in mind for me? But uh, um, I, I don't know. You know, when I look back, you know, like my grandparents have been gone a long time, also, and so you know, when December twenty fifth rolls around, I just kind of it's a it's the Christmas day. <clears throat> We've always done our Christmas uh, packaging, and and uh, you know, Santa Claus comes at night, so. You know, we've always done it at night. On Just Christmas on Christmas Eve. Eve. Right. That's And then Christmas Day, you know, that's just been time to get out. I'd always get the same gift as a child. I'd get I'd get a football or a Cocker Spaniel dog. <clears throat> Depended on if a Cocker Spaniel dog made it uh, a year or two. It seemed like dogs were always getting ran, ran over back in those days, back in the 50s, you know. And I'd take the football and I'd punt it all day Christmas Day until it looked like it had a pregnant spot on the bottom of it. Hmm. About where I'm at, they'd be good footballs. What's the deal with, what's the deal with Cocker Spaniels? What, what's the affinity for them? I don't know. You know, i just become a Cocker Spaniel, and I would name them. I had a couple of those named Dixie also. And, uh, always females? Uh, uh, no, no, they weren't always females. I had a couple of females, but I'd name them uh, – Sandy, for some reason, because they were that sandy color cocker spaniel. Mm-hmm. So I had about three Sandys in that. Uh, even later, when I was uh, first married, and for my kids, you know, we had some cocker spaniels. So that was kind of our dog of choice. I know we usually get a rescued cocker spaniel, get it in Memphis, and uh, I don't know if my family got them from the same uh, uh, person that raised dogs or or not. But uh, that was a common uh, thing with us. And, you know, you wouldn't give about two main presents, but you'd get some from your grandparents. And you know, just be careful. Don't go try to wrap something and think you can wrap it back if you see it under your grandmother's tree. Yeah, I pulled it one time and I almost didn't get my gift. You <laughs> <laughs> withheld the thing for about two weeks, and it was about one of the best gifts I ever got. I think. But the friend said, "Oh, we can put this thing back together," and yeah, we did, boy. 
He looked like he a wadded piece of newspaper. <laughs> Jerry, uh, Jerry, I know you've got grandchildren, and I know you were spoiled by your own grandparents at one point in time. But there's a story that I still remember when you did this. You, you've got a, a grandchild or two that you promised they would have a white Christmas one time. And where you live, white Christmases are are not likely to happen. And so one Christmas you made the extra effort to bring a white Christmas. Tell tell us that story. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, like you like you said, we don't have a lot of white Christmases and uh as a matter of fact, in my whole life I don't think I remember about one. And that would have been way back in sixty two or three or something like that. But um yeah, I told I told them, you know, they hadn't even seen snow, and they was already starting to get pretty old. They were like first, second grade, and uh, five years old. And so I took, uh, I drove up to, uh, you know, where uh, Metropolis, Illinois is. I sure do. I drove up there, which is really not that far, but it's probably, oh, I don't know, three hundred miles maybe one way or a little further, something like that. Got to go all through way through Tennessee and up in through Kentucky, you know, that part of Kentucky over on the Mississippi Riverside. And then you cross Ohio and you're in Medicine. So, super towns, uh, Superman's home town. That's right. And, right across uh, from Paducah. Mm-hmm. Well, it, uh, I pulled in in a hotel room, and it wasn't a lot of snow, but we got a big snow that night. It almost loaded my pickup, but the remaining part I had a scoop, and I loaded that pickup up with snow all the way to the top of the camp. And uh, so I was coming back. But to you specifically, you specifically went up there to go get snow. That's right. Okay. And I was going to give him a, I was going to give him a snow Christmas. And uh, so that was that was uh, after Christmas Eve. I drove on up there after we had opened the presents locally, and it's still in the snow. So I knew the next morning I was going to try to get back down there before they got up and got out doing everything because they keep them inside playing and stuff. They were young then. And so I know I loaded that doggone pickup completely over the cab. And when I got to Memphis, it was starting to warm up, and it was still early in the morning. And it, I, was, I, was, I looked like a water truck. I was draining water out the bottom. But I still had a good bit of snow. And I got to their house, and out in front of the uh, oak tree at the front door, I backed in there, and I, I dumped all that snow and spread it around. And doggone, it was enough for them to make a um, – no man, I've still got a picture of them playing in it, and uh, they had a snowball fight, and they had snowman, and uh, hey, it was really good. It was really, it was cool, and nobody else did. And people thought I was crazy when I come through. Yeah, I, I, I would think style. so too. Yeah, I would yeah. think so too. And I'm not sure if there's a crime for taking snow outside of state lines, but you definitely crossed some lines there. I did that one other time. I went up Missouri and. Uh, I got an easy break up there. They'd taken the uh, grader and they'd, you know, how they'd clear the high interstate. And this was up around Sykeston, I think. And uh, I'd asked this was a few years later, and I did that. And they had kind of piled it up, so it was really easy to load the truck. And uh, of course, I had the same situation when I got below Memphis. It started melting, but we we got back for some more snowmen and and some more good Christmas day stuff. So I did it twice, actually. But, uh, snow hauler, the snowman, Jerry Short here on the Takapola Storyteller Report here 
on the Y'all Show. Well, I hope you have a, a great Christmas and all of your family has a great Christmas time of year, Jerry Short. Let's talk about the fact that this is our final show together, Jerry, for 2023. All right. And we've got a new year just ahead as well. So your thoughts on turning the calendar over to 2024? Well, uh, you know, you always used to look forward to that. we got New Year's uh, night coming up a week from Christmas. And, uh, you know, the, the baby's in with the old man going out. You're expecting new and prosperous things, but this year looks a little different. You know, it's uh, the horizon's not, uh, it looks like dark clouds up on the horizon, the way we're facing the way the country is now and the economy and uh, and the illegal uh, interest from the border, from the southern border. And I understand the northern border is getting pretty bad now up around Buffalo. And how how is that possible? I mean, who's coming in across that border illegally? Uh, same ones they fly them there from these other countries and we don't know what we're getting in this country and uh they've taken about two-thirds of those border patrol guards uh away from uh the northern border and they've sent them down south and all they're doing is processing i think down uh in laredo and uh now over around uh, uh tucson uh nogales over in arizona and that area finally the arizona governor moved in some national guard down there but they just usually using this National Guard to process. And I understand uh, there's only one uh, there's only one Border Patrol agent per uh, 200 coming in right now. So many are coming in. And so they're really not doing anything to stop them. They're just walking on in in droves. So. But up at, uh, and they're busting them up north. So I tell you, you know, I was out there not too awful long ago and, you look at these white buses, and if you've ever seen it on TV, they'll have them usually parked after they process them, and they load them on white buses. And uh, I don't know if y'all have talked about it, but, uh, you know, they give them a, a free plane uh, ticket, and they also give them a, uh, so to speak, debit credit card. Okay, maybe you're the one I heard that from. Tell me about that, and where did you get that from? Is that fake news? No, it's well, it depends on if you want to call Fox or if you want to call Newsmax Faith. That's about the only two. And then I listen to Patriots Channel on XM Radio a lot. And it comes from one of those three sources, I'm certain. But uh, I, I understand that, uh, and then I, I talked to a person that was out that way, and he said that, that it really happened. They give, they give them money. I've heard, you know, anywhere from, it originally started out at something like $80 when they took off to go. Uh, mostly of them are northern cities, but they give them the city of their choice. And they're picking New York because everybody around the world, you know, it's New York they've heard of. Mm-hmm. And uh, I understand right now the last count of different countries, it's up to about 110 countries in the world that are crossing that Mexican border. But... Uh, they, they fly to New York or they fly to Los Angeles. I've seen interviews with uh, kind of a man on the street, but it's a man at the line of the people crossing the border. And they'll ask him, where are you going? And he'll say, I want to go to New York. Where are you going? I want to go to New York. I had one say Oklahoma the other day. I don't know why he said Oklahoma. But, uh, and then some of them can't even speak English, so they'll interpret it for him a little bit. You know, but somebody can speak whatever language they happen to be from. But I think we're getting a lot of dangerous people inside this country. There's a lot of Chinese in it. 
it's a lot of Haitians. I don't know why so many from Haiti coming in, but it seems to be a lot of those. So we're feeling this country is completely full. You know, they had a record the other day. They had 12,000 in one day across the Mexican border and uh, uh, Mexican-American south, southwest border, all the way from uh, uh, San Diego all the way back over to Brown. And, uh, you know, it's getting pretty doggone bad when it gets like that. And I've been along the border and worked along the border, and I know those places are coming through. And you can't stop them. There's no way to stop them because they didn't finish the fence. You know, they were stopped under the latest administration. And it's up in places, but you just walk around those places. And uh, they'll let you crawl over them or go through them or whatever you want to do now. So, uh, you know, this uh, 2024 is uh, not looking uh, really, really, really bright uh, with what we've got in store for us. If we're giving money, and like I you know, I don't know if I threw a figure out there, but I heard uh, they were giving as much, some of them, I don't know if it's their destination or the hotels they're checking into or what it is, but uh, I've heard as much as $800 ahead. And uh, did you see where in New York that uh, they've got so many uh, illegal immigrants up there that, uh, you know, they got the hotels all full, and uh, they're complaining about their food service they're getting there. They're saying it's not tasty, it's not as good as they used to. So they all had to pay the cartel, and they all had to pay the... Uh, uh, coyotes to get here and, and so obviously these countries that they're fleeing from aren't as bad as it would appear to be if you're going to a better country and you get this better country and you left the country and the better country is giving you bad uh meals hey what's wrong with that picture also and i don't know if you've ever noticed how they're all wearing really good clothes most of them are too yeah and um uh, so it's uh they're being paid. A lot of them are being paid. So we better just uh, we better start checking internally who's infiltrating us because I don't think it's a pretty picture. Well, I got told not long ago by someone I know they had to fly from this part of the world out to the Phoenix area, and they got put up in a hotel, a nice hotel, one of our chain hotels, right. and. Yeah. They got put up in a hotel. They were the only paying customers at that hotel because every room in the hotel was full, but it was all being uh, set up by the federal government to host illegal immigrants in a chain hotel. These same folks who had flown out there, I think, to attend a golf tournament that their child was in, they told me that they went down for the continental breakfast (laughs) and there was nothing for them. That the oh, no. thing it got wiped out by the illegal yeah. immigrants. And they were pay, well, you, paying customers. Right. Well, I guess you saw the Army-Navy game in Boston this year. and uh, I did not. A lot of fam- – yeah, well, I don't know if you saw the game, but the situation there. The situation was that a lot of the parents and fans for the Army-Navy game has historically been around for 100 years plus. You know, they, uh, they got to Boston and they uh, – or called ahead, or they was called and notified that their booked in advance rooms were already taken by illegal aliens in Boston. They didn't, they had to cancel their rooms and cancel going to the Army Navy game. Now you know it's getting really out of hand when our government is doing these kind of things, and um, 
and you know what's going on overseas and what's going on with our military and you know as our military gets weaker and weaker and weaker and woker and woker and woker and woker yeah it's really getting woke and you know they want two states out of uh out of uh israel now and that's that's against biblical terms i think we may have discussed that one time that's against biblical terms and everything since they've been the jewish people have been promised the whole all of all of israel not the not the uh gaza strip part you know we added all that when we moved them back in after world war ii and uh so anyway they want it they want it from and they don't even know what all this means and all this protest by these students, you know, uh, they don't know what from the river to the sea means. You know, they don't know. They don't know that the Jordan River goes to the Mediterranean Sea, and that is solid, pure land. Mm-hmm. So they want it all. You know, they want the Jewish people completely annihilated. And we're not. We're not standing up. Uh, I think, as a matter of fact, I think we're over there now, trying to negotiate. And the UN has also voted for it. Also ceasefire, and a two-state nation. Well, you can't do that. That's just not uh, the way it was set up, not the way it's supposed to be. Nothing to do with that. So, you know, politically, if you're looking at uh, the new baby coming in with uh, the diaper on, uh, the way things are happen- happening in this day and time in our society, they probably won't even put a diaper on the baby. Sounds like but, the new yeah. baby's coming with a dirty diaper. It, it comes it's already dirty. Definitely dirty. So, Jerry, anything anything positive negative. before we say goodbye to you for 2023? Well, um, yeah, if, if the election goes good and we can get a change in the government, um, maybe things can be straightened out in three or four years. And uh, we can kind of get back to a little, little simple American traditional way of life that uh, you and I grew up in and uh, hopefully a lot of your visitors grew up in. And might even make me more sentimental. Hmm. But, uh, you know, with all these things that's going on this day and time, it's really hard to be positive. But uh, let's be positive that uh, 24 is going to bust in here, and it won't be long after that, the election, and then won't be long after that, maybe we'll have a change in administration, and won't be much longer that maybe this uh, this middle-class system that they're trying to do away with will be back. Ah, yeah. make the middle-class... Uh, vibrant again. Jerry Short, our Takapola storyteller. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you, sir. Same to you, John. I hope you have a really good one. I will. We appreciate it and look forward to talking to you in the new year. We're going to wrap up our show right after this timeout. we got some food to talk about, so hang on for the fun. From 1990, that was the last hit song for Lacey J. Dalton. Went to number 15, Black Coffee. We're wrapping up the Y'all Show here on this Tuesday. Coffee's on our mind as InsanelyGoodRecipes.com has the article up. 23 Christmas coffee drinks to keep warm in winter. If you go to the website, you'll find not only these great pictures of 
coffee choices, but recipes. How you can enjoy the boozy Christmas coffee, which they say is similar to Starbucks peppermint mocha. A recipe also up for cozy homemade peppermint mocha, their own version here on the website. Peppermint mocha cold brew. They also have a delicious coffee up vanilla gingerbread latte. Yum, yum. Irish coffee is a recipe up at this website, insanelygoodrecipes.com. And homemade pumpkin spice latte is among 23 coffee blends that you've got recipes. You can make them yourself at insanelygoodrecipes.com. A perfect, perfect Christmas treat is a homemade coffee drink that'll keep you warm on Christmas Day and beyond. Thank you for listening to the Y'all Show. We will be back here on our Wednesday show, and we'll get you all the financial news. Paul Hare is going to be dropping by, and we're just going to have a good Southern time. Until then, have you a cup of joe, and thanks for listening to Y'all Powered by Y'all.com. Y'all.